Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levine, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer in that I had never seen a Time Lord in my life until I started watching this series. And now, I can't stop. Every week, I sit down and I watch a new episode of Doctor Who, and I just revel and wrap myself up in the good blanket that this episode is and this one this specific episode wow okay lots to talk about it is called cold blood it is a continuation so we're bringing back the good amazing hungry earth expert that is eric sweetman hey thank you very much yeah we're wrapped up in the warm blanket of dirt in this episode i mean it, it would depending on you know if it had been in rio this would be warm dirt they still never made it to rio they never, they never made it to rio i'm a little disappointed rio. uh for rio but uh mm. dear listener let's dispense with this piece of the podcast if you have not seen cold blood now is when you want to pause the podcast go watch the episode and then come back because Throughout the course of our conversation, we are going to give up major plot points from this episode, and I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to be spoiled myself, so why would I want to do that to anybody else? That being said, let's jump right in. Okay, all right, this episode has a lot to process. There's a lot going on, so let's break it down. Let's start with... The big, uh, I guess, the A story would be uh, the warmongering uh, lizard people. <laughs> like almost every lizard person we see in this version of the po- in this version of the podcast in this uh, episode <laughs> is uh, like just angry. They keep using the word ape as if it were, you know, a a not so great word. You know, very, you know. It's very ethnic slur kind of thing going on. Yeah, very that's, yeah. that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, it's yeah. like, and they just keep dropping it over and over and calling. You know, there's Amy and the guy that had his chest cracked open, and they're like ape and ape and ape. Uh, and you know, it's just it seems like everything they're doing is to on on purpose try to cause uh you know a conflict. Yes. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> oh, well, I think there may be a thing or two in political discourse nowadays where it is always us against them, depending. It doesn't matter which side you're on, you're still on a side. And so this is right. very, very much a we as a as a culture, we identify as this, and so we are against that. That is the only way it can be. We are right, they are wrong, and they must be destroyed. That's kind of, in a nutshell, the way this uh, this episode has uh, has presented itself. You know, we are dealing with um, the Silurians, which are not only a race of reptilian humanoids, they are evolved direct uh, descendants from the dinosaurs that is their their function that is their their history and so they are the ones that have this uh, claim on the planet you know it was theirs first they were there for a long time before uh, humans came along and so they just feel like their their world what they 
have the right to their birthright, mm-hmm. if you will, um, has been stolen from them by these upstart creatures. They want them. They want the earth back. Um, and the way that this gets involved is, you know, as you're watching the episode, of course, you can see that the um, the drill that was the big technological thing from uh, the first episode mm-hmm. has started going into their air pockets, and it's threatening their existence. These uh, Earth, you know, the surface dwellers aren't aware of what's going on below they're just seeing how far can we drill this is amazing this is the deepest any drill has ever gone before but it's interfering with their continued safety um so they go back and fight back um they feel like this is an act of war against them so because the ones that are waking up and are trying to respond are their soldier class of of uh of course, they're going to act aggressively. You know, they, they, you know, if you are trained to do battle, then everything you see is going to be judged in that battle frame of mind. So the, um, the doctor that they have, not the doctor, but <laughs> their own scientists, um, is looking at it as like, what an amazing thing, how the evolution of these primates have turned them into such intelligent beings right now, but he's still a scientist who is uh, willing to do the um, uh, dissection, you know, that we're looking at the these things and seeing what they are. But amazingly, it didn't kill off that first guy that got pulled under. Because well, um, clearly they, you know, they, they've got significantly more advanced technology than we do. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is abundantly clear. And their design, I mean, their city, uh, we saw a sliver of it last week. Uh, I think I might have even seen uh, from last week I was remembering uh, and then watching this week. It might have been the uh, next episode clip that showed me as they were walking through that, like all of the the liquid magma kind of heating this chamber and all of these passageways that they have connected. I mean, they've got this incredible, you know, underground city that's built. Uh, So I understand the, the, the idea of threat, the, um, the idea of this is ours. It belongs to us. Uh, it all it, it's all very familiar we've seen it you know it's a trope that has been used in in sci-fi uh very aptly before but in in the confines of this particular episode and in doctor who it's really to my recollection uh, so far in the series it's the first time that we see a villain that has such a compelling reason for for being what they are you know being presented as the villain uh, i would say they're more of a antagonist than a villain because you know like you said they they're they're descendants of the original life form in the planet and they definitely have uh you know we were here first type of stake not that it, mm-hmm. you know, not that it makes it any better or correct, but it, it definitely is 
a better argument than what the Daleks have or what the Cybermen do or any of the other villains that we've met uh, throughout the series so far. Uh, So, you know, kind of it puts the, the, the whole idea of, you know, yes, we have this amazing technology and what are they doing? That just for the heck of it, we're drilling to the middle of the earth, uh, you know, makes us look like the reckless ones. Right. But, you know, we don't know what's down there and this is a chance of discovery. You know, we, like, there are people on the planet that would be aggressive to just about anything else that's on the planet, you know, so that's not, uh, you, you can't paint everybody with the same brush. Um, while I don't feel like these scientists were legitimately trying to seek out a completely um, undiscovered uh, species, but they were looking for what could we profit from, you know, what's down there that this is, sure. you know, it's not just drilling the deepest hole. There's got to be some resources that they want to be able to collect. Um, but, you know, that sense of we are here first, you know, today's looking at it through today's lens, mm-hmm. it's like, what would we be able to do? And I think part of that was actually reflected in this episode. What could we do to make it right? What would we as surface dwellers be able to sacrifice in order to give this other species space on the surface you know as uh, with our um you know you you go to hawaii and they're trying to get more and more of the lands um the big businesses keep wanting to buy it and the uh the traditional culture there keeps trying to get it back you know, from all these people who want to just take their their land. It's like, oh, you've got Mark Zuckerberg who has his massive mm-hmm. uh, property there that was given to him. You know, he was able to buy it for, you know, several million dollars. And isn't that wonderful? But, you know, it's like, who's the person who decided that this land should be sold to anyone, much less just this billionaire? who isn't from this area, who isn't part of the, the people that um, cre- you know, have been living on this island for untold generations. You know, that's like, that is a question of how do we get the Silurians to find a place on the surface that they can grow without feeling threatened by them. It's like, oh, well, we let them here, but now they want that too. Or, you know, there's so many ways of being able to look at this that is a complicated story. Well, and it's uh, at the core, it is the, 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 the sense, like you mentioned, it's the, the ownership and the perceived ownership and the, the birthright versus uh, inheritance. And I, I, uh, I did enjoy the the scene where uh, Amy and the other surface dwellers that uh, found their way down there uh, were having a conversation with, I guess, the the equivalent to their mayor or their sort of leader. Yeah, you know, whatever. It, yeah, it, it's not very clear their uh, <laughs> their structure, their governmental structure or societal structure, other than a very clearly defined militia or military arm of it, uh, which the doctor even says. Of course, there's always, uh, you know, there's always the military, which yeah. uh, you know, it's an apt statement uh, in in a conversation like this where. 
uh, you know, it's uh, almost like colonization, you know, who, mm-hmm. who gets to state claim and why, and why is one right? And why is, why is one wrong? And I felt that in the conversation that Amy was having and that the, that group was having, it, it seemed to be basically finding common ground. The doctor even again, uh, it says, you know, you, you're finding more commonalities than the not. So, you know, the, 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 the quick answer is they could easily coexist. There is, you know, ample space on earth for the, you know, cohabitation. There doesn't have to be a specific location that is carved out exclusively for the solariums. The, you know, it could be, just cohabitation, co-use of the the space uh, across the entire planet, uh, and uh, and yet the military arm, you know, either living to justify itself or wanting to uh, to fulfill that part of the you know the the drive the need. They're not interested in cohabitation. They're not interested in learning more about. They're just interested in fighting. They're interested in hatred. And, you know, to me, it's such an interesting concept to, again, juxtapose with what is happening in our society today. Uh, far be it from just the, the woes of, you know, both of us live in the United States. But this is, a, you know, this is a struggle that's going around uh, many, many other uh, places on Earth. It's not just unique to the U.S. or or the Americas. You know, it's happening in Europe and in Asia. Uh, you know, <laughs> these uh, these clashes of who gets to own what, who gets to claim what, and who gets to decide uh, how we do things, uh, and it's all from a sectarian point of view as opposed to a cohabitation coexisting um you know in the extreme in this episode you're talking about human race coexisting with a lizard race but you know in reality it's you know coexisting with people of uh different uh religious belief different political beliefs different uh you know all the all the beliefs, all the isms that could possibly cause division uh, and hatred to brew the way it does. And <laughs> particularly, the thing that I uh, I really liked is how um, we see how that that one alien that was captured the not alien I'm sorry but the the one. Uh, I guess uh, hostage that they had. They they use that word yeah. hostage. Uh, how she kept goading the the humans, the, the the few that were up on top, and ultimately it was the mom that turned into what you know. Uh, the the Solarian was almost excited to see. He's like, ah, yes, you are the one. You are the one that's gonna spill blood and start this war. Uh, and again, right. a clear justification as to why she does it, but it doesn't make it any any less wrong. Right. You get that um, you know, the the extremist uh, mindset of the Silurian in that in that regard, the Alaya 
I think her name was. Um, and she, you know, she was a character that, um, really believed that her sacrifice, you know, the loss of her life was a small price to pay for the return of her people to their rightful position on earth. So, you know, that fanaticism where it's like, you know, if you're not going to behave in the way that um, we have believed you to be all this time, we're going to make sure that you get mad enough to do it. Yeah, that we turn you, know? you into so, the thing yeah, that we was, made you to be. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so, you know, when uh, the mother does that in order to protect her family, you know, yes, it is a very uh, relatable moment, you know, but the larger tragedy is that the uh, the doctor isn't aware of that. So the negotiations going down underground are not with the right amount of information, you know, and like, you know, we could see this and the negotiations trying to get the, uh, the people, um, the, uh, that, that, uh, ethnic minority in, uh, in Burma or whatever the, the country, I forget what it's currently called. It just blanked out on my mind, mm. but in, uh, in Asia, um, or the, uh, the minority group in China, all these people are trying to just live their lives and, you know, their worlds are being turned upside down by governments that are uh, completely hostile to their needs. And again, this is a episode of a series from 10 years earlier, and it is so current, so incredibly current. Um, so what do we, where do we go from here? What do we, what do we do? And what happens in this episode, you know, it's like, oh, that wasn't exactly a satisfying ending of it, you know, because all this stuff gets to such a head, the, uh, the leader has to pretty much go, well, I'm going to execute my own people. Yeah. So retcon uh, the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we're going to start this again. We're going to come back to this in a thousand years. We're going to sleep again for a thousand years. And when we come out of this, then we can join the rest of the planet on the surface and our worlds would be better because of the uh, because of our emergence. It's like, really, you're going to, again, you're going to kill off your military arm that is you know, right now causing this trouble. But that seems like a... Uh, a humongous mistake, you know, here's this huge, like, you know, it's bad enough to go and uh, say, well, you're the other and we're going to kill off all of you. But when you look at your own people and it's like, well, they are wrong minded. Let's kill off them. That's where we put ourselves in today's United States issue of Republican versus Democrat and the extremism that comes where people now are thinking, you know, we're sorry that you are uh, feeling this way, but we can't let you feel this way anymore. You've got to go down. You're, you're, it's over. It's like, whoa, you know, that's that. We're seeing it. Yeah, you know, it's been a year, yeah. but it certainly hit well, our White House steps. You it's, know? <laughs> it, it's definitely it's that uh, it, it's the arrogance uh, that comes across in this episode uh, from both the the race uh, of Solarians and the the humans. Uh, you know, the justification of the one woman attacking the one Solarian. Because she thought that by quote unquote torturing her, she would give up and she would tell her how to save her father, how to find her son, how to get her husband back. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we've heard that before during, uh, you know, during the years after uh, uh, 9-11, you know, there was a lot of justification created for the use of torture, you know, uh, and ultimately did it make us any safer? Did it make humanity any better? And arguably no. Not that we've noticed. <laughs> you know, because at the end of it, the violence, the act of violence is still the thing that is wrong, regardless of the justification behind the act of violence. It's, you know, ultimately it's pushing humanity down a dark path. And I did like that it represented this other species as also having flaws and also looking within itself to try to make the situation better. But, you know, like you said, it, the, the solution of uh, committing, you know, partial genocide for the sake of hopefully pushing the can down the road and that in another thousand years the species and everything will be more evolved and things will be easier you know it's just pushing the problem down the road it's not really addressing the problem from within uh, right. and it, you you nailed it on you know perfect when you said this episode ends in a very unsatisfying way because this entire time I thought there would be some sort of resolution, some sort of uh, everybody lives moment. And just yeah, at the last minute the to be denied that I, I you know, it, it goes to show you, you know, once again, the show is able to get me to believe in something that's about to happen. And then it changes that course. Uh, and in this particular manner you know we started last week with an episode that was meant to i thought was meant to be very uh you know thriller very you know scary to something that just felt kind of um adventure and fun because of the way the doctor was presenting it to ultimately end in this very uh dark place for both the human race and the Solarians is uh, definitely a, a turn I did not see coming. Yeah. Now I want to go back and mention um, the name of the country I couldn't remember was Myanmar. Oh, yes, yes. So, you know, that's important to, to you know, at least clarify that and acknowledge them as, you know, by the name they choose. Um, but you know, in, in this episode, um, yeah, there was the hope, and yeah, that that's all that we're left with is the hope that it's going to get better in a thousand years. Thousand Their years. Uh, council leader, um, that's who I think that that his title mm-hmm. must, must be or something. You know, he was not the aggressive um, reptilian of uh, that the um, that is, is the arm, armed force wing of his uh, group was and he wa- he definitely had that appearance of i want to be able to negotiate i want to be able to um find a way to succeed and to live in peace but again his decision is like okay we can't do that now so let's kill off the people that are causing a problem and then go to sleep and then everything will be better when we wake up so no i'm not satisfied with this ending um i'm i am I will enter into a whole different category 
it's like this is another one of those episodes that really impresses me with the beauty and the quality of the prosthetic makeup. Now, I mm-hmm. find that uh, the way the Silurians appear, they're uh, costumes there the masks that they wore and then the actual faces beneath those masks were um really quite beautiful the uh um like the the textures of it the headpieces that uh um, the performers had to wear it was just very very well done um prosthetic makeup um it's some of the prettiest looking lizard people i've ever seen Oh yeah, yeah. That's like it may not be as uh, um, pretty as Morena Bakarin from the V reboot that came <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, but oh my still, God. you're stuck on hey, V. Yeah. You're stuck on V. Hey, how many other opportunities do you have to have alien uh, lizard-like people around? You know, you gotta. It, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mention it because uh, growing up in Argentina, V was a huge deal down there. <laughs> like it was huge and it's still like big, like with the people, my generation just mentioning mm-hmm. V immediately elicits a, uh, a conversation, a very nostalgic conversation about this quote unquote <laughs> awesome show, which, you know, I've rewatched here in the States. It was not that good. It wasn't that well, like <laughs> Well, I mean, it comes from the 80s. And let's face it, there's a lot of stuff in the 80s that seems like misplaced nostalgia. Okay, yeah, right. We loved it at the time, but wow. <laughs> yes, Knight Rider. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, uh, woof, that's, a, that's one that has not aged well. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, no, especially nowadays. <laughs> really, you know, like you said, really good looking uh, makeup. Uh, and really good, you know, it, 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 it's hard to say, you know, character acting, but the, 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 it, it was a very one dimensional performance, but the hatred that you get from the general when she sees, you know, her genetic descendant. So maybe the daughter or, you know, sister or whatever, sister. It was her sister. Uh, you know, it, you you understand again that you know not that it's justified not that the violence is justified but you understand in a very emotional way why somebody would feel that way and i really really appreciated that uh, but mm. there there is a there's another thing that happens in this episode uh you know we we mentioned how there was no appearance of the crack last episode and uh, they weren't hiding it in this one. It, it's there, you know. <laughs> There's a big old crack there, and the doctor sticks his hand in it, gets something out of it. Sounds very personal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he is the doctor. He, you know, he was. Yeah. He didn't use gloves. He He's used a handkerchief. In this. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the then Rory gets taken out. Well, Rory, you know, they're dealing with uh, this particular um, Silurian who has been poisoned by her own leader and is trying at the, to the very end, trying to defeat the, the apes that she can't stand and the, this person who's not an ape but still looks like one. Um, and so she gets there, sees them, and 
with her dying breath fires a uh, a blast which rory intercepts you know saves the doctor's life but gets taken out himself and so he's lying there dying and that crack in reality reaches out towards him and as they explain it um by pulling him in, he's, t- he's being erased from reality and from memory. From so if you ever having existed. On, yeah. So if you can hold on to him in your mind, there's a chance. But you got to concentrate. You got to make sure that it doesn't, you don't let go in your mind. You, know, you can't do anything to keep him from being taken away in person, but you might be able to hold on to the memory. But she can't. You know, Amy can't remember. So this this the, this whole section not only is it huge spoilers, but it also uh, caused the 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 greatest amount of questions to to ferment in my brain, and that is in the episode with the angels, in which that force that was sort of wiping people from existence uh, continued to persist and take one soldier or one bishop uh, after the other. Amy remembered them. Amy continued to remember all of them. She kept insisting and saying to the guy, no, 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 there were two other people here and they now disappeared. Don't go or you will be disappeared too. And then she talked to the doctor about them. And yet this time when Rory gets sucked in, she forgets what's going on. I don't here? have an answer for that one. Uh-huh. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> you know, it's not even that I can't tell you because it'll ruin a future episode. In this case, I truly don't know. I don't remember well enough. Cause I, you know, it's been a good 10 years since I've seen the episodes that you're talking about since I did not brush up on the entire series before jumping in on, uh, <laughs> on this conversation. I don't How know this episode, you. man. How dare you? But it is, you know, it, 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 pro, it caused it, it caused me to really ponder, you know, is the, is it really the end? Did he really get sucked in? Did he really completely cease to exist? Or is this just a momentary uh, thing? Well, yeah, we do. We do see, like they said, she said before. Oh, there we are. You know, uh, he's yeah in the future now. This and then she comes, pull him out of all reality. They, well, no, because he finish. They they finish that. The doctor ultimately pulls her into the uh, TARDIS. He locks the TARDIS using the uh, sonic screwdriver. He, mm-hmm. it, you know, he gets themselves out of the, the the center of the earth where it was being fumigated. And then they step out of the TARDIS and there she is again. There's Amy again, future Amy looking at them. But now there's nobody there. And Amy even said, oh, I thought I saw somebody with me. I guess I must have been. So Rory wasn't there. Rory was there before. Future Rory, future Amy. Now it's just (laughs) future Amy. And then we see the thing that the doctor pulled out of the crack 
is a charred, broken piece of something that looks like the TARDIS. Yeah. So whatever explosion is causing this fissure to appear across time and space and seemingly following the doctor and Amy is in whatever, whatever is happening on the other side of that fissure, fissure, that crack is a piece of the TARDIS floating around. Nothing yeah, else, you're right. Yeah. There's nothing else that can be added. Well, because otherwise it would be a will... <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, we'll you know, it won't have to wait horribly long. They're going to give you some answers coming up soon, but not necessarily all the answers. That's going to take a little bit longer. Well, it. Just when I thought this episode had sort of its natural, normal conclusion in a way that was going in a very unsatisfying way, we get that uh, Solarian doing her, you know, best Ahab moment and, you know, from Hell's, uh, you know, I, I cast, uh, what was it, uh, the, the, the Ahab quote, uh, were my chest a cannon, I would have shot my heart upon it. <laughs> I know that. Nice. <laughs> I know this show gets literary sometimes. Uh, you know, she she takes out Rory, and Rory's gone, and so now she has nobody to wed. So now she can get back to chasing after the Doctor again. Like I'm not sure that I like this. I'm not sure that I that I yeah. uh, support but- what's happening. But you know that the uh, what the doctor found in the in the TARDIS, right? You saw that. I, I I saw that the doctor found the piece of the TARDIS, no, and there was a, inside the TARDIS. The, there was a what moment where he he couldn't get the door unlocked, which I thought that was weird. Yeah, but what was inside the TARDIS? What was inside the TARDIS? I must have missed it. The ring. Oh, I for yes, I we did see the well. At least we saw the box. So we didn't see the ring, but we saw well, the little see, red box. The, the implication certainly is there that the ring is still inside. Because <laughs> why would the box be there if it wasn't? I, I don't know. Because Gollum exists in this universe, and yeah, precious, not precious. Uh, <laughs> all right, before we go down that road, uh, why don't we hear what Ashley's tidbits have to say for this week? This is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits for Series 5, Episode 9, Cold Blood. Writer Chris Chibnall wanted this story to be about, quote, people making mistakes under massive pressure and the accidental conflict that comes out of protecting a family. Stephen Moffat's plan from the outset was to tie the episodes into the overarching story arc of the series. And he wanted to have Rory not just die, but be erased from history by going into the crack. Earlier stories that feature the Silurians featured them having a third eye. Stephen Moffat decided to omit the third eye in this episode because he feared they would look too much like Davros. The jungle walkway that leads into the Silurian city was filmed in Plantasia Botanical Gardens in Swansea, the same filming location as Series 4's episode, The Doctor's Daughter. 
The hall where the doctor is brought for execution was filmed at the Temple of Peace in Cardiff. This location was previously used in Doctor Who for the majority of the Series 1 episode, The End of the World, as well as the Series 3 episode, Gridlock, the Series 4 episode, Fires of Pompeii, and will be used again in at least two future episodes. When the doctor asks the Silurian doctor if he has any celery, it's a reference to the fifth doctor, (laughs) who always had a sprig of celery on his lapel. Supposedly, the celery was a cure for several poisons that would affect Time Lords. And remember the actress Nev McIntosh, who plays Alea and Reztek. Hmm. And the crack in the wall is back. Did the doctor pull out a piece of the TARDIS? Spoilers. It's like, yes, we saw that it was a piece of the TARDIS. Of course it <laughs> was. No, that, that he was puts one. it right up next yeah. to it. Yeah, but uh, she did uh, mention something very, very cool um, that Nev McIntosh, uh, um, you know, just keep keep remembering her. I will. You know, there'll be there'll be a reason for it later down the road. <laughs> I'll I'll keep my eyes peeled for her. But is there anything else that I miss? Is there uh, anything that uh, you you're wondering? How did Daniel not uh, not pick up on that? No, once you I uh, mentioned the ring, that pretty much was the big one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank yeah, you very me. much for that, yeah. uh, Frodo. <laughs> You're welcome, Mr. Daniel. <laughs> uh, now let's uh, let's go to Mount Doom uh, and uh, toss it in. But uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, two-parter uh, that turned out to be significantly more deep than I thought we were. I, I thought we were just going to get a fun little sci-fi adventure with Rory and. Uh, and Amy, and it turned into a significantly. Who and Amy? Uh, that's right. That's right. Oh, I don't, Thanks I don't for reminding me. <laughs> but thank you for joining me for this episode. Uh, what's your name again? Uh, oh, I have a name. That's new. There's a crack. Um, yeah, There's a yeah, crack. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I pulled my pants in. Oh. <laughs> You're not a plumber. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate uh, the the fun. So um, next time you need me, just just uh, give me a call. Oh, I will. I we will be ringing you very soon. I am sure. But as always, dear listener, thank you for making it to the end of another very interesting first time lord as always you can visit our website firsttimelord.com there you can find this and all of our previous episodes and uh, you might even be able to click on that little link that lets you comment on them and let us know what you thought of uh, the the very unsatisfying ending to the human doctor salarian conundrum that uh, presented itself uh, 
While you're on the website, though, uh, you can navigate your way over to the merch shop where you can support the podcast by purchasing a T-shirt or perhaps a iPhone case or lots of other things that you can find on that merch shop. And if merch is not your thing, but you do want to support the show financially, you can click on the link that will take you to our Patreon page, or you can search for Daniel Levain on Patreon, and you can become a supporter of the podcast that way. Or the most important way, the best way to support the show is finding yourself that Doctor Who fan that's walking out there that, like me, doesn't know they're going to love Doctor Who. And introduce them to the series, introduce them to the podcast, and let's watch this amazing series together, getting so much out of it every week with our experts and fun conversations that just always make the doctor feel even more real than he does when you're watching him on TV. But all of this said, I have ran out of time. I must jump into the TARDIS and get ready for next week's adventure. I have a feeling it's going to be artistry in motion. We'll see you next week, everybody. Hey.